Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So I want to, to discuss with you or start with a verse, Hebrews 4.12, if we can put it please, Hebrews 4.12. This verse, if I ask most of us here to explain it, we'll explain it in one way that is not necessarily the most accurate way. So I'm going to read it with you now and see what this means. So Hebrews 4.12 is a very popular verse. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So if I ask the question, what is this verse speaking about? The majority of people, if not everyone, will say it's talking about Scripture. And when I read Scripture, then the Word of God is living and powerful, and that is absolutely correct, that Scripture is like that. However, this verse does not speak about Scripture. So let me read it again. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Then it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So the word of God that is being spoken about here is not scripture. It's about the word of God, the Logos, the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who comes and pierces the division of soul and body and knows the intents of the hearts and can discern what is it that I am thinking. The reason why I'm starting with this verse because this is a, makes a huge difference on how we live life. And I can give an analogy of how the Orthodox Christian life ought to be or is designed to be versus other denominations sometimes, mainly the non-traditional denominations. The non-traditional denominations, everything they do is based on Scripture, which is a beautiful thing. That's not a bad thing at all. But every time you go into conversation with them, they ask, where is that written in the gospel? Where is it written in the Bible? The Orthodox Church does not do that. The Orthodox Church obviously cares about Scripture, the Word of God. We put it on top of our heads. But even more importantly, we care about the W, the capital W, Word of God, the person of Christ. The Orthodox Church teaches how to be united with the Son of God himself. It's not meant to be a theoretical life where I know verses by heart, I know psalms by heart. It's meant to be a life of unity with this being who is the source of that life. And when I'm united with that person, he comes within me, and he looks at my intentions and he's able to discern 
and he tells me, Gabriel, be careful, that specific point you need to change. You need to repent on this point, right? There's a huge difference. And that's exactly what he will do on Judgment Day. God on Judgment Day, so the Son of God is both the judge and our lawyer at the same time. He is the one that saved us, so he is our lawyer. But he also sits on the seat of judgment and he judges. Well, what does he judge? Does God want me to go to hell? Does God want anyone to go to hell? Absolutely not. God wants everybody with him in heaven. But how does God judge? He looks, you know, in the book of Revelation, speaks about how he has eyes like flames of fire. And he looks deep within me. And like in Hebrews 4.12, he's able to discern where I'm at. He's able to discern and say, Gabriel, you've chosen me or you haven't chosen me based on the actions you do, based on the thoughts you think, based, more importantly, on the struggle that you are living. Not about you knowing knowledge from scripture or from church fathers or reading books, but from you knowing me as a person, spending time in prayer with me, me filling you with my spirit. And the beauty of the kingdom of heaven, like we said on many occasions, is that it's not something that, that is to be lived afterwards. It's to be lived here and now. And God gives us this grace and this unity with this person who is the source of life and love and joy and all of these beautiful things here and now. And he's asking me now, allow me to come into your heart and to discern your intentions. Allow me to come into your heart and to weak and lead you to repentance. And the day is coming at some point, and it might not be as far as we think it to be, where our own intentions and hearts and predispositions within us based on whether we are really Christians in Christ or not will affect our lives on this earth tremendously. Time, the time is coming at some point, again, it could be sooner than later, where we will find ourselves as Christians and we will need to take decisions on how we live life here. And these decisions will have tremendous effects on our lives. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to scare people. That's not how we live. But what we need to care about is my daily repentance. So when I'm in liturgy right now, why is it that many people, they come to liturgy and don't experience God? I was hearing from a priest this weekend that one of the first things that he teaches his congregation, or not the congregation, but the, the catechumens, the newcomers, he has many non-cops in history. He tells them liturgy is boring, but it's only because of your ego. 
Liturgy is boring, but it's only because of your ego. What does that mean? It means because we are so full of ourselves and we eat so much of the world, whether it's pride or materialism, whatever you want it to be, right? We are standing in liturgy and we have the presence of Christ himself in front of us. And yet we're like, what is this? This is so long. Many church fathers have spoken about hell in that exact same way. So in the book of Revelations and even in the psalm, it speaks and says, in the psalm it says, and he, I'm paraphrasing, like, God, where are you not? Even if I lay my bed in Sheol, like in hell, behold, you are there. So is God in hell? God is in hell. God is everywhere. Heaven, hell, earth, between, in the bench, everywhere. But my interaction with that being, based on my internal disposition, is what dictates if I'm living a heavenly life or a hellish life. Obviously, again, as youth growing in the church, me being the first that I say to the youth all the time, when I grew up, I was in high school, didn't understand what liturgy was, what midnight praises was. It was something way above my head. Did not enjoy it, thought it was boring, thought it was long, all of these things. But that only meant, and that was very natural, it's very natural for youth to be in that state where we haven't yet encountered that beauty of that divine being and interacted with that joy. But as I'm growing older, am I taking steps towards this? Even as a youth, am I taking steps toward this? Okay, I understand that I'm not at a position where I can as a youth to do this now. But am I walking on that path? Do I seek this? Do I desire this? Because those who desire this, their life is completely changed. Completely changed. I just heard, again, a sermon that we can online about this person, not to give it too much away, how this person was completely unchristian. Actually, she was a Buddhist, and she was a very, very like extremist Buddhist in the sense that she practiced a lot. And long story short, because I don't want to ruin the story now because I'll keep it for another time, or even invite that person to come if I possibly can. She discovered the beauty of Christ and the way she describes, like the first instance of her conversion, even before baptism. Because we are converted by the Spirit, like as adults, we are converted first, then we are baptized. As kids, we are baptized first, and then we live our lives with the Holy Spirit within us. Anyway, she was saying that the amount of joy and love within her were beyond understanding, unspeakable words, she couldn't describe it, right? And she said it was infinite. I have this infinite, beautiful being within me. And God says, this beauty, what you need, because I've created you in that image, what you desire, what I desire, this is who I am. Why are we seeking other things? Why do we spend so much time, so much time in studying? That's good, it's not a bad thing. So much time in doing many other things. 
when it comes to God, you know, Habibi, please, you know, before you go to school, please pray five minutes. Five minutes. I'm talking to someone like in grade seven, grade eight. Five minutes. Habuna, it's difficult. It's so hard to wake up. I know. But I'm not talking you, telling you to wake up five minutes early to go play with your cat or pet your dog or eat some cereal. I'm telling you to go up, get up five minutes early to talk to your creator. The source of life. The one that is meant to be worshipped. But it's boring. Prayer is not about you. Prayer is about me worshipping the Almighty God. We have to come to this realization. Who is God? Who am I? And if I do this daily, and it's not easy, and the world is difficult, and the world takes us in so many different places and random alleys and wants to like allow us or push us into sin, but God says, Habibi, I'm here. I'm going to take care of you, but come, come. And I'll work with you step by step. It's boring, I know, but I'll transform you. I'll make you a completely new creation. A creation that will gaze to heaven and all what you want will be, God, I just want to be with you. And my heart desires you. My heart, my soul thirsts for you. My heart longs for you. That's the beauty of Christianity. So instead of having our hearts and our treasures down on earth, let us practice daily to always have it in heaven and gaze on God. And again, I'm telling you, a time will come where what we have decided daily, daily, will be apparent in us like in a mirror. It's going to be very clear because I want to be clear. If I am put a gun to my head, for example, it's very easy for me to say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a priest. If I'm put a gun to my head and I'm told, renounce your Christianity, for sure I'm not going to renounce my Christianity. I'm a priest of God. But when the reality hits, God knows what's going to happen. Because it's not going to be based on what I think. Please be careful with this. It's not going to be based on what I think or how I think or what I think. It's going to be based on who I am. And who I am is based on what I do daily. Whether it is in my relationship with God or whether it is about avoiding sin. And that's why going back to Hebrews 4.12, it speaks about the word of God, the Son to whom I ought to be united, and glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.